we had booked our wedding abroad because it gave us enough cover that if people didn't want to go, we could say it because it was abroad, not because it was a same-sex marriage. The marriage quality debate came to Stormont five times. Five times we've had to have a simple issue of equality debated by the government in this land yeah. of whether we could be equal uh, to all other citizens here. Every time it does damage to every person that's listening to that, it's the same as the conversion therapy debate. I listened to that debate and some of it uplifted me. Some of it really was like a knife in the back and you don't want to listen to it. And when you see 80, 90 year old grandparents and then kids all waving there, yeah. it's, it's a festival of colour. It just goes to show it's turned into a family event. To any young person out there, you are going through the most extreme circumstance in your head that will happen when you come out and say you're gay, bi, trans, or whatever. You will never get that extreme um, circumstance playing out in reality. You've just been listening to the voice of SDLP Cross McGlen councillor Pete Byrne who has had a very busy few weeks while the motion to ban conversion therapy um, was debated in Stormont and finally after years of being on the table um, it was passed. This is your host Elaine Ingram and I got to speak to Pete um, who told me his story about exactly what it was like growing up as a gay man and the struggles that he has had over the years and still does. Pete is a brilliant ambassador for the LGBTQ plus community. And I hope when you listen to him speak and tell a story that you'll understand just what I mean. I'm here with Pete Byrne and um, it's really nice to have a chat with you today. Um, the ver first thing I wanna say is thanks a million for all of the updates you've been keeping us going with throughout this whole thing about um, all the restrictions lifting and everything because you've been I check your Facebook all the time and you just give a just a straightforward account if you go onto any of the websites it's like it, it, you've just scroll down for a mile before they actually yeah. tell you what, what you can do and what you can't but you seem to just like say this 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 and this which is great yeah, so, I suppose that was, be. yeah, no, and that's, I suppose, the role of the council over the last years to try and inform people in very difficult times. So it's very difficult for us to go through the information, try and distill it. But yes, at the start, when I started doing it, you, you have to continue it, you know, because a lot of people are relying on it. So yeah, yeah. it's been a tricky job, tricky year, but I'm sure there's other councillors doing it as well. Yeah, well, hope, hopefully we won't have to be doing it for too much longer. Hopefully, because, hopefully. Although I was in Newry today and it was absolutely packed. The first yeah. day back, this is the Monday, bank holiday Monday, the first day back, and I have to say hello to Southern Cars as well. Which yeah, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks uh, what the numbers go like. Um, but with a lot of people vaccinated, hopefully we're not going back to see spikes, but we'll have to slowly ease it. But yes, places are getting busier. Yeah. But the main thing I want to talk about with you today, um, Pete, was this um, huge milestone we had um, when the motion was passed. Uh, the UUP had um, brought the motion forward for banning conversion therapy. And I know this is something that you've been trying to have looked at for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. But finally, it did get over the line with few hiccups, but the motion has been passed, so it will be going ahead and being brought to... Yeah, and legislation being brought in. Yeah. Uh, I suppose, yeah, a momentous day. And over the last number of years, you know, citizens in Northern Ireland have had to rely on the courts um, and Westminster to legislate for rights for the LGBTQ plus community. So to 
have a situation where the majority vote has been passed in Stormont, an overwhelming vote of 59 yeah. uh, people in Stormont to, 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 to vote for it, it is a monumental day. But we still have the legislation to come in front of us and that's going to be difficult because the community's minister has to go away and come back up with the legislation of which the debate will get more heated and when you get down into the nuances of the legislation and obviously the change in leadership in the DUP yeah. since that vote will depend, will, depend because Arlene Foster had abstained hadn't she yeah Arlene abstained uh, on obviously voting again, voting for the, the amendment uh, from the DUP but then abstaining on yeah. the actual vote when it came through I think five of the DUP had abstained um, and I suppose who the new leader is will determine how the DUP come at uh, and there's two very different schools of thoughts with who potentially the new leader might be I mean if it's Poots yeah. we can safely say I would imagine that it will be a lot more difficult it'll be a lot more hard lane I suppose if you, you don't have to look far back into some of the statements uh, from uh, DUP MLAs or MPs in terms of the LGBTQ plus community uh, and you know the people who are supporting Poots and Poots himself have come out with some really disgraceful lines yeah. uh, on on the LGBTQ plus community. So, listen, we don't want to be stepping backwards, but it, I, I'm not depending on who the, the uh, leader of the DUP is. I think there are enough um, right-thinking people in, in Stormont to get this legislation through. I really hope that when it comes to the point of legislating, um, that we don't have nonsense like the Petition of Concern rolled out, the Triumph Block Rights. Uh, I hope we can be a wee bit more respectful of, yeah, of they're, the debate they're... when it comes to that. But there's a long way to go. But listen, We've, to get the vote passed is brilliant. Yeah, but there was the, they're talking about like loopholes and um, mm-hmm. you know for religious reasons yep. and you know they tried to bring in that amendment where they said you know in terms of if it was you know a religious um, concern in a religious setting yeah, yeah and whether that whether that actually was conversion, conversion therapy. therapy and I was actually listening to um, um, Stephen Nolan the other mm-hmm. day and. He was strongly criticised a couple of weeks ago because he uh, had a debate on with um, two um, straight men and yep. um, there was somebody else from the, you know, that was opposing it. Yep. He, he was criticised for that hmm. about Sammy Wilson. They were they were debating what Sammy Wilson had said, some disgraceful comments that he yep. had made. Yep. But there wasn't anybody there from the LBGTQ yep. um, community. And um, since then, I was listening to him the other day and he ha- he did have somebody on from the SDLP, but he was also talking about this whole... And that was before the vote was... Yeah, that was Seamus DeFeature from Belfast. Yeah. It was on from the SDLP and he was talking about, are you trying to... Um, to say that you can't pray. Yeah, make, you know, make it illegal to pray. And I mean, he was bringing it he, down... He was into, completely missing the point. He was missing the point. He was completely missing the point. And the whole point here in the amendment from the DEP, they brought it in to try and say that churches uh, offering pastoral care or sitting down and talking and preaching uh, to people about their lifestyle doesn't constitute conversion therapy but I'm sorry it does you know if you they, they were removing I the lane it's a human rights issue yeah but they were removing the lane from um, Doug Beatty's motion um, that it stated that it we didn't need a, a cure or a fix that this wasn't something that needed cured or fix now the removal of that lane sort of opens up this whole nonsense of this that's bandied around of pray the gay away and they, they were allowing that that this is simply pastoral care if people want to follow uh, the teachings of the bible and uh, they want to turn away from this lifestyle as if it's a life of sin of which has been said to me before in a personal capacity and um, that they should be able to go and sit down with their local priest uh, and seek a path um, to not fix, scratch yeah. to fix themselves or not scratch the rich or whatever and that fundamentally states that they believe that this is something that can be cured or fixed and that's where they're wrong. 
So I do think it, it I mean... Because it's not a lifestyle choice. It's, it's just, not a lifestyle choice. Yeah. As, you know, as much as I don't choose the colour eyes I'm born with, you know, I choose the colour hair uh, that, that I have. Exactly. Um, but I think for they don't understand, and they, a lot of people in the DEP don't understand how uh, much damage that big organisations like the church can do whenever they're allowed to practice or preach or speak about a minority community in a way that they need fixed. Now, for example, and I did touch on uh, the story when I was talking to Stephen Nolan about my own experience with the church, where my husband now um, was asked to be godfather for my youngest brother's uh, first child. And the church stopped it. The church stopped it when his name was on the form. Now, I discussed my elation of him being asked because it is sort of a vindication for our relationship. It's, you know, the strongest way that my youngest brother could say, listen, we see you as equal as everybody else. Um, but when his name went in and the church said, no, we can't allow Trevor to be Godfather because he lives a life of sin. And the conversation, now I, first of all, I got very, very angry. Um, and I'd rang down to the parochial house and I was arguing with the priest. Uh, but what I got back was that you were born a sinner. This is a sin, sinful life to live. Um, being gay is something you were uh, born with this uh, sinful thought. It's an itch that you're not allowed to scratch. You should give your life to God, but you went and scratched it. There's no way that you can be Godfather to the child. So that itself had huge mental um, strain on me. And I didn't realise. Yeah. But it was afterwards. And that was, and, and I've said this now, but that's the first time that I had... Um, a panic attack, a nocturnal panic attack. How long ago was that, Pete? That was December 2012. We had just got married. You just got married that year, We yeah. got married in September. We got married in Newtown Hall um, in September 2012. Uh, just four people were at the were at the ceremony in Newtown Hall because we were flying away to Newry to get mar- or to Spain, sorry, to get married. Um, we flew to Mallorca to get married in Calador. And we had booked our wedding abroad because it give us enough cover that if people didn't want to go we could say it because it was abroad not because it was a same sex marriage so See, you have the yeah you have these thoughts you, you don't want to do it at home because like then well if you do it at home and then family don't come it's well they don't ex- agree with it so you know there was a number of difficult discussions beforehand and we decided and I decided we did look at venues here but I says, decided that we'd go away and if there was 15-20 people there well that would do you know we we that must really hurt, be hurtful, though, when you think about... Yeah, because you can't ask people out, are they going to your wedding? You, you know, you send out an invite to family, an extended family. Uh, if, you know, in a normal wedding, you send out an invite. And um, you're able to ask them if they're going or not. Asking family now, I, I sent out the invite. I've done it in a real quirky way, which i done sort of a website video invite, and I'd sent it out to everybody. And I was leaving it up to them if they wanted the book, because by asking them, I was then getting them to say back, you know, we don't agree with this or whatever. And I wasn't putting myself in that situation of letting them say that back to me. So I had no idea who was going to the wedding. So when I booked it and I put up all the details and they could book themselves. So I wouldn't know the numbers until the day of the wedding. And that's exactly what had happened. And we ended up having 92 people uh, flying over to Spain, which was amazing. Yeah. Do you um, find you, you, the majority of people have, you know, support you? Yeah, the majority of people support you. Absolutely. But I suppose in a small rural town, and, and this is... is getting back to the thing about the church as well but in a small rural town people find maybe the conversations difficult so when you first come out you know you're a topic of conversation for everybody I mean remember when me and Trevor moved into the flat together and cross um, on the square uh, people thought we were just friends but it slowly started to filter out that we were in a relationship 
I remember walking across to the shop just to get the normal staples, bread, milk and whatever on yeah. Sunday night. And even the focus of, you know, certain, you know, shopkeepers just staring and, you know, and it was obvious that people were talking that we were in a relationship and we were living across in the flat. And I started to get quite defensive and I went out to the till, I said, put the stuff down and I goes, we, we eat and drink the same as everybody else. Now, I shouldn't have said that. So I had a barrier up, you know, yeah. so I was then guessing what people were thinking and that people were frowning upon. So I felt under the microscope all the time. Do you so think then, maybe you over-exaggerated in your own head? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. So you, it's broad acceptance from people, um, but you are afraid to come out because you don't think you will be accepted. Um, you over-egg the sort of certain things you do in your life. Like I was I'm a big football fan. I was managing the soccer team at the time. Yeah, Carville. Um, yeah, so, you know, people say, oh, you're pushing and being more, you know, um, macho or manly or whatever because you're trying to hide something. So you're such, trying to overcompensate, uh, over yeah. yeah. And maybe, maybe you were. Uh, I don't know. Um, but I felt like I was waiting for people, the non-acceptance. But, you know, and if it, if people looked at me differently, I was misinterpreting, uh, misinterpreting that. But, um, then when I got engaged, we had great reaction from people in the town. We had some bad reaction from people as well. Um, people saying that, are you not thinking of what you're putting your family through and stuff? Um, do you not think of other people before you make decisions? Which which is disgraceful. Yeah, um, you wouldn't ask that to anybody else who was getting married. Else. Exactly. <laughs> but when we got engaged, I mean, I had comments to me, you're taking it too far now. As if this was something that would blow over or whatever. Uh, when I delved into those comments um, from people that were pretty close to me I said you know people are accepting that you're living together people have gone on now you're just rubbing people's faces in it by going and getting engaged so and that's where I came out and said how far can I make decisions on my own life to build and live it my life to the level that I want without harming other people so do I have to factor in how other people feel about the decisions that I make you know or how yeah. it makes say extended family members feel when they're going out and people are talking do I have to factor that in uh, so that made me quite defensive and angry um, and I closed down and I never had a conversation with anybody and I've said this on record now over the last couple of weeks I only came out to four people yeah. four people one of them was inside my family um, what age were you when you came out? 24 that's yeah, a so terrible burden <laughs> to have to live terrible with burden for, have to live. for well, all I, of those years up to that point. well I went to Australia I went to Australia so when I met Trevor um, in July, uh, July 2005, um, I booked a flight to Australia two weeks later on my own and I flew yeah. to Australia in October um, 2005 and I stayed there for a year and a half and it sort of opened my eyes um, to more diversity and how it wasn't well, just was this rural bubble. Whereabouts in Australia were you? It was a big jump. Yeah, I went, I went to Sydney. My own, and then I, I stayed there for a couple of months. And then I moved up the coast. I went to New Zealand. Um, moved up the coast to Cairns, and then flew over to uh, Perth. So I met loads of different people, and I didn't go with anybody, so I could just get up and move. Um, like in Sydney, I lived in. I bought a tent, and I lived in the woods for uh, three, four months. In, and in were you woods. openly telling any people nope. over there? You didn't nope. tell anybody you were nope. you were gay. No, then, I no? just. Um, just acted completely, you know, as if, you know, normal and, and just a single person. Well, now you said that word there, yeah, normal. I know, and that's probably, and that's a mistake that I make in the sense that, no, I didn't, um, I didn't use it as, I'm away and nobody knows me, I could be myself. Yeah. 
I acted in what I grew up to believe was normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where, and then you'd sort of meet people and you're going out and you always find yourself in situations and, you know, where, you know, so people coming up to you and you don't want to get involved in it because, like, I was still... So you were still working this all out in your own head. I was still ringing Trevor every week. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and saying, you know, having conversations, he was going to fly over and the whole lot. Um, he then went on and went to America um, after college uh, for a couple of, for a year actually, he went to America on his J1. Uh, and I came back from Australia and flew out to America. Yeah. Um, and met him and his friends out in America and that's when it all started to uh, come out. So when he came back uh, home, we rented a flat in the cross. You knew he was the one. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. And uh, you know what? It's... Um, I suppose it's difficult because you don't meet that many people. Um, yeah. And it's the, you know, the relief of, you know, somebody like-minded. And you could see a future for yourself. Yeah. And I think you sort of, everything sort of moved very, very quickly. But it was the acceptance of him with my family and friends. Like, he gets on with everybody down the town more than I do. Like, you know, like right. he's, you know, he's, he's, it's where he was in Cross Midland a lifetime. But um, it's, so when those comments of you're bringing it too far when we get engaged they become even more hurting because I, well, jeez, I thought everybody was okay with this. Yeah. He's not all okay with this. Like, you know, all the, boy, uh, all the boys I hang about with. I, As if they, they were kind of saying, oh, it's just a phase, you yeah, know? Yeah, but, you know. Instead I, of saying, this is this you, is who you are. Yeah, I go down and run poker in the town. We run, you know, poker competitions and I'm involved in everything. I'm involved in the soccer club. I, you know, teach uh, with, in uh, maths and I was uh, volunteering up in the school and, and children here and I was thinking, nobody is an issue, but then suddenly this comment comes out and then suddenly that thing happens with the, with the Godfather, and I'm just going, this all started, you know, maybe snowballing into something bigger. There's huge, you know, negativity out there that I'm not just seeing. Yeah. How many more people think like this? And that's what annoyed me about the priest. Because how many more people have you said this to? What effect has it had on those people? Well, this um, is the thing. So you became, you know, inadvertently involved yeah. in, you know, supporting the gay rights and the gay community because... Yeah. You know, obviously, you know, you wanted you're you're not you wanted to keep this all you know private yes. to yourself as your own your own family your own business and everything else. But you yeah. saw that you had to you had to say something. Yeah, I never speak out on certain things, and and you might find that very hard to believe because you know you're a public rep now, you're a councillor. Um, but I was quite quiet at school. If yeah. you talked to anybody that was at school with me, um, uh, they wouldn't have heard me talk much. Um, I was quite reserved at school. I would always be on my own. And my twin brother was the loud one, so he was the one that was. Oh, you a twin brother? I'm a twin. I'm a twin. Yeah. So, um, at school, you know, I was quite quiet. I didn't usually have conversations about things like this. And, and obviously, when I met Trevor, I never had the conversation about you know my relationship. I didn't have to sit people down and talk about it. I just got on with my life and says, "Listen, it's none of their business. They'll all, it'll, they'll all find out or work it out as as it goes on." So then to find myself in a situation in a public role where I have to speak up and things like this when there's yeah. certain injustices. And and that's where I go back and I was talking to uh, Miriam McKellen last week and I was talking about the first time I actually publicly spoke out. The first time I publicly spoke out was at Pride in 2016. I had become a councillor and I was in a panel. What does it That was the first year that you became a councillor in 2016? Yeah, it's the first year yeah. I became a councillor and I knew I had to speak in it. Um, so what does equality mean to you? And it was myself and Lyra McKee that was on the panel, just the two of us. And I was beyond nervous because here's me speaking from a personal capacity and I always thought it's nobody's business. That comment of, you know, how far are you going to push it? You're pushing it too far and all your, you know, uh, people are f- finding your life difficult and them having to explain it. And I'm thinking, if I speak publicly now, more and more people will know about my life. So, 
I was sort of quite reluctant. I remember even beforehand, I did a lot of generic notes written out about LGBTQ issues. Uh, and I turned to Leah around. She was quite comfortable. Um, it was the first time I met her. And she was, I says, I'm really nervous. What are you talking about? She says, I'm coming from an angle of the church. And I goes, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and she goes, uh, just, just speak personally because that's what people want to hear. They want to hear your personal experiences. Yeah. You won't have all the answers. But yeah. just speak personally from your... It just uh, makes other people feel like, you know, there's there's, there's other people out there yeah. just like them that have gone through all yeah, this. Yeah, and I did. I spoke personally that night about uh, my experiences. And, you know, it resonated with people. And I got questions from the floor about, you know, trans uh, issues. And, and I had to put my hands up and say, I don't know. You know, yeah. but I will look into it because, you know, people think that those in the LGBTQ plus community know all the issues right across the spectrum. And we don't. Um, but the more I discussed and talked to you know, groups that are working on trans healthcare and stuff like that there, I realised I have to speak up on this. So I used my role in council to promote Pride, um, to speak up on trans healthcare issues and, and, and the big waiting list that you have in Brackenburn and how people are being pushed into the private sector and certain things like that there. We don't have adequate healthcare here in Northern Ireland that you would have uh, right around the rest of the UK. Uh, and the more you read up it, the more you realise that we have a, st- a systemic problem here. Uh, yeah. You know, with with access to how we're treated and how the community is treated in Northern Ireland. In so. Northern Ireland, I mean, they're so far behind in terms of, yeah. um, you know, equal rights. But I mean, right right up to like the, the Marriage Equality Act. Yeah. It was the last place on the island to... Yes, the last place on the island, but, you know, people... And, and that whole Asher's Bakery. The Asher's Bakery case, which is embarrassing because that even I had, you know, I run a headstone business and I had people actually around that case saying if somebody came in and asked for something to be carved in a headstone, would you stop it or whatever? And, you know, so it started the bigger conversation. Um, but I suppose when you impose as a business your viewpoint on other people paying customers, I mean, that's what's completely wrong. But yeah, when you go back to the marriage equality thing, yeah, we're the last place um, to legislate here. People forget that the marriage equality debate came to Stormont five times. Five times we've had to have a simple issue of equality debated by the government in this land yeah. of whether we could be equal uh, to all the citizens here. Every time it does damage to every person that's listening to that, it's the same as the conversion therapy debate. I listened to that debate and some of it uplifted me. Some of it really was like a knife in the back and you don't want to listen to it. Um, so that marriage equality debate being repeated five times and then passing by a single vote uh, on the fifth time and being blocked by the petition of concern is hugely damaging to this yeah. community here. So it, we shouldn't have to end it through the courts and it ended up uh, Conor McGinn taking it through Westminster when Stormont had collapsed. And yeah. coming in in 2019 I think it was October 2019 when it had come in with the collapse of Stormont uh, and I mean it came to a Westminster vote I think it was 383 votes it passed at Westminster but the DUP opposed it at Westminster they voted against it a former Northern Ireland Secretary of State James Brokenshire voted against it at Westminster you know so you realise that the people who is the biggest party in, in Northern Ireland is the DUP they're sitting in the position of First Minister you've got Secretary of State from a Tory government are voting against rights issues for a minority community here in Northern Ireland, that there are that are afforded to everybody in England, Scotland, and Wales. Yeah, and that's sort of playing the politics of it. So you know, I, I have a real bone to pick with any party that uses the petition of concern to block these issues. That's not what we would have set up for, and well, that's it, why it's always interesting to me. You know how they uh, can pick and choose when it's an um, all yeah. UK issue like Brexit. Yeah, even though Northern Ireland, you know exactly what, what, the way they voted in Northern Ireland to remain and yep. then they say well it's the whole of the UK we want the same as the UK but not in certain things. LGBT issues abortion or whatever or any issues we want to be, have our own say in this 
and 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 that's a huge difficulty going forward. And that's why I think you know, well, this issue in conversion therapy. Listen to the debate. Uh, I think it's two weeks ago now since the debate happened. You had politicians here that are meant to be speaking out for everybody in the areas that they represent, talking about um, fixing people up. If if somebody has an affliction uh, of same sex feelings, and I'm going as if this is some illness that they have. Yeah. Those lines and that language is hugely damaging. There is only so many times that you can invalidate, criticize, humiliate people in the LGBTQ plus community uh, before it has an effect, a real damaging effect on their mental health, a self-destructive effect on their mental health. And that's where you get strong. I, I, I feel as if I'm a strong person because I've, I've been independent my whole life. I went up and went traveling on my own and I sort of, you know, learned by getting... A, you know, we chinks in your armour and sort of built up your resilience. And I have a huge wall up as well. Um, but other people that aren't fit to deal with those issues, how are they affected mentally? Because when I thought I was quite strong, but when I go to bed and I was sleeping, I'm waking out, out of my sleep, screaming, thinking that I am going to date. Now, uh, wake out, Panic sweating, attacks. screaming, can't breathe, feel like my heart's going to explode and I'm going to date. And I need comfort and, you know, the rubbing on the back and whatever and trying to calm me down and then go back to sleep. And I know that's going to happen the next night. And I know I won't die. But the next night, it's as extreme. And this is all going because of the boredom of my... The people that we put into elected positions and people in big organisations like the church or whatever are perpetuating this and making it worse and worse and worse. There's, you know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, the suicide rates in the LGBT community That's what I was going to say. It's a, it's a huge... It's seven times. Yeah. In, 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 you know, in the LGBT community, seven times higher. Uh, and we can't go out and say, we are serious about mental health. Uh, and it's bandied around all the time as a buzzword, mental health. Yeah. And then conduct a debate uh, on an issue uh, as serious as conversion therapy in the way that we've done over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, conversion therapy is something that... When you when you actually think about it, I mean, I didn't even realize that yeah. this was still, uh, it was still a thing. I, I watched I watched a film a few weeks ago about it, um, called Boy Erased. Um, it was a very good film. Nicole Kidman's in it, and um, it's it's really good. But I did, I really didn't. I mean, it was set in the you know eighties or something like that. Yeah. I really didn't think this was still an issue. I find it hard yeah. to believe that it actually but, is. But what people think, uh, and I suppose, I must watch that film and there was a book that Andrew Muir from, yeah, from The Lions Party, yeah he, yeah, he talked about that book and I, I, I'm going to grab it's it. It's very good, there's it's two on books Netflix. He, yeah, there's two books he said, well I'll actually watch it tonight then. Yeah. There's two books he said that I want to pick up as well but here's why people don't think it still exists. Because the physical uh, manifestations of conversion therapy are in, probably not, no longer practiced but not practiced publicly. You know where people are being, you know, the, the electrocution or whatever, or the the corrective rape and stuff like that. There, which would horrify absolutely everybody. Um, but people say because they don't see any of that happening, the conversion therapy in its entirety it's isn't more happening. Subtle. It is more. It's it's more subtle, but has the same effect. When people are sat in where there's interventions, yeah, by the Catholic Church to sit somebody down and uh, give them pastoral care to fix them, yeah. to tell them that they this is a sin. That they don't act on it. Just that to is say as harmful. Any of you need to be fixed. That at all. is as harmful because people and everybody in the LGBTQ plus community have grown up suppressing their feelings. And I've done it myself. I didn't come out until I was 24. So I grew up completely suppressing my feelings. So when I had partners and girlfriends growing up, um, I remember when I lived in my own from when I was 17, 18, I moved out to my own house. Um, I remember even just when, when 
my partner at the time had left, I would close the door and I'd just sit down and breathe and go, I have to do this all again the next day. I see if you constantly wearing a mask. You're wearing a mask for everything. Yeah, you said and that, that has and that was massive, a really powerful thing that you said. Yeah, because the, it, that has, you, you wear a mask and you go, you don't want to say something that sort of trips you up and slip and gives you away. And that is so, such a heavy burden to carry every single day. When you're going out and you're going to say, manage the soccer team, don't say anything that will actually, you know, try your best. You're acting all the time. You're constantly acting. So when you sit down, even now. What was it like going through school? I mean, your school. That's why days. I was quiet. That's why I was quiet. I was quite studious. Um, and you probably hear a lot of, you know, you know the way lads saying, oh, that's so gay and yeah. that kind of thing. And I know that a lot of times they don't actually mean anything by it, but it's still, it's. I think what people said to me, yeah, I know exactly, but when people said to me, even at school, like, or when I could come out at 24, Jesus, we didn't know. Jesus, you, you know, you're big into soccer, you're big, and you don't, yeah. you're not. You don't seem I, very gay. You don't seem very gay. Because you're not, <laughs> you're you're not, not flamboyant. Very, you're not flamboyant, you're not camp, or whatever is terms that people want to use. Jesus, we didn't know. So, at school, nobody had an inkling, and I, and I was quiet. So, I would see those derogatory comments and things said about other people who were a wee bit more flamboyant and whatever. Yeah. And it would kill me and I'd be going, step in and do something and say something. And there was actually one time in school where I did, you know, step in on one person and saying, you know, this is not on, you know, about how they're, they're speaking or bullying or denigrating or talking down to somebody. I knew, like, I was lucky because, I don't know, I came from South Man, I've got a deep voice and I'm not, you know. <laughs> but, and I think that in itself was a strength for me when I did come out because when I did come out, it broke that mould of, you're not jumping around. You're not flamboyant. You're not over, you know, eccentric. You're not the typical, stereotypical but is there LGBT a, is, that you see on TV. Or yeah, but like that's that. the thing. Is there, that's, do a lot of gay people feel that they have to be that way in order for people to, does it, does it, or is it just a natural thing? I don't know. I'm just asking the question. No, I, I, and I don't know. And I don't know the answer to that question. You know, I've went to Pride and uh, the very first Pride I've went there and I was thinking, you know, the over flamboyance and I'm nearly thinking, it's, well, it started out from a protest. So this is, pretty much telling everybody else he doesn't accept this community that F you do you know what I mean that's yeah. pretty much and we'll be who we are and we'll be loud and we'll be proud so it maybe comes out of the sense of protest and um, as I always said pride's about visibility so being over visible yeah. being I am here and I'm going to make sure you they're see the me they're the best parties ever those parties yeah they are the best parties ever yeah. so I think it maybe comes from that but I suppose it did break the mould for me in the sense of how people seen um, gay people uh, or how they would um, the fact that I wasn't the stereotypical person and I was still in the role as the soccer manager and, and yeah. was in it for seven years well that's right, right. I know you're from, from the soccer yeah, you know yeah. from the soccer so it sort of broke down for other people and I had loads of people um, even in this town but I bet you all those cartwheel boys all supported you 100% yeah because I know they're the best the, 100% I mean the, the group of lads uh, over the last over the seven years in the cartwheel uh, they couldn't have been any bother yeah. uh, I mean completely supportive uh, a great relationship with them. We won the UH Cup, so it was bloody I brilliant. Know, you know, I remember we, we, that. We, we, had some, we had some parties, <laughs> but I have great respect with you know all the people that have, that have worked with in soccer. But yeah, it, it helped other people because parents had uh, messaged me and other uh, young uh, teenagers had messaged me saying that it's great to see uh, me getting on with my life and it makes it easier for them. Because when you see the likes of sort of GEA players and the soccer players all having welcoming and if they can have a manager for a soccer team who's gay, you know, that I don't have to... I don't have to reduce my options to whatever, you know. So um, I realised that I was in a certain platform and then I became a counsellor. So the platform got bigger and bigger and I have to speak about the personal issues. Now, I genuinely 
I'm not comfortable speaking with personal issues. I always think, yeah, I, you know, that's my life. See, before I became a counselor, if you can go back through my social media, even the day I got married, I don't post on social media. Now I was on social media. I am not the person who's commented, never put up photos, never posting. Yeah. So I was always reserved. Um, and now it feels alien. So I suppose over the last year, over posting, it feels alien to me. But now I'm sort of changing how I, I, I react in social media. I'm doing I'm in the cancer role. But I said when I leave public life, I'll probably leave social media too because I'm quite a reserved person. I yeah. like to be private in my life. But I can't be private in issues now in Northern Ireland. If I sat back in the conversion therapy debate and I didn't speak about the personal issues and the personal um, comments that were said to me from the church that was pretty much this pastor care talking therapy that was so damaging and how it damaged me who people see as a strong person then I would be kicking myself you know irrelevant of how the vote yeah. went and need you, we all have an obligation and a duty to bring this down to the personal level and say this is the effect that it's having on us well that's what we need to see it's yeah. like everything you know you, you it does have to be brought down to a personal yeah. level because it can't be seen as just an issue if it's just an issue then it's just something out there in the ether you know yeah, yeah, but yeah. if it's people talk about their own personal experiences then it's it's, it's real and there are people out there yeah. living and is it must be therapeutic in some way for you or is it to feel it that you're helping you're helping others is, is that it's really terrifying <laughs> <laughs> and it is therapeutic in a sense but afterwards you realize you've done the right thing uh, but the amount of people that have contacted me over the last two weeks from a number of interviews um has been, I, I've been astonished by it. I haven't been contacted by as many people on any issue. I mean, emails, texts from people right around the country, down as far as Cork, um, saying that it was great to hear a voice that they can identify with. Yeah. That it's not just the sound bites and the stuff coming out. It is something real that they feel as well. Um, so but not even for me, gay people, for, 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 for people who aren't gay, gay to yeah. understand. Yeah, you know, the issues. And, and, and this is the wider issue of, of talking about mental health. You know, we only can understand uh, issues if we listen to the people in those communities that are going through those issues. Yeah. And we get that from when, when you come out, um, I suppose, the conversation is, you know, with your family, extended family and friends who possibly grew up not having somebody from the LGBTQ plus community among them, even though they did. They didn't realise. I, I was just going to say, it's they like did. saying there's no gay footballers. Yeah. Or there's no, of course they, of course but, they did. But, but they can have they, an opinion. They, they can say whatever they want because they're not affecting anybody around them because you know they don't have uh, you know a gay person in their circle or whatever so they're not personally connected to the derogatory comments that they're saying so when you come out um, i mean people in your family have to think think and talk about these issues in a different way it seems the marriage equality debate in the south to have a referendum on it families had to start discussing it yeah families and everybody would you know know somebody from the lgbtq plus community that's close to their family um or close to a friend or whatever uh, and you had to actually sit down and talk with these issues. Now, when you come out, you put your family in that situation yeah. where they have to confront these. They have to be careful with their language because now what they what they thought about being gay beforehand is now when they say it, they have to think, well, how does that affect Pete? It's yeah. not just somebody gay. It is a person I know. Yeah, exactly. And so the visibility of all is, is, is huge. And that's why when it comes around to these debates, to talk about the personal side of it, when people listen, and the UUP, I think Doug Beatty has been excellent in this issue. He walked behind me in Belfast Pride last year. He walked, um, I think it was the year before last, um, and they had uh, the Union Jack in the trans colours. And he walked in Belfast Pride. There was a lot of people um, shouted really positive comments to him, and he thought, fair play to you. He is engaging with the LGBTQ yeah. community. He's listening, and he wants to, to you know use his position in Stormont to make positive change. And I think 
the DUP need to sit down and listen. You cannot keep closing the stable door and saying that um, we're not dealing with that issue, that we have a set position on this. This is what we believe. We believe marriage is sacred. We believe that, you know, this way of life is sinful and that we're not changing. Engage with the people. Yeah. You know, the, the coalition that was set up... Um, and, and there's a coalition set up, uh, anti-conversion therapy coalition in the south as well, but uh, the banned conversion therapy NI in Northern Ireland, but I have numerous requests to Ireland Foster at the time to meet. Yeah. You know, what Ireland goes and will, will, will meet with um, the Evangelical Alliance and, and meet with other religious groups and come out and have our opinion, but hasn't sat down and listened to them. Yeah. So you will not shape your view on an issue if you listen to both sides. And if you are so stubborn that you just stick by your party's ancient view over the last number of decades and say, we're not moving from this, well, then you're going to be left behind because the country's moved on. So I really, it's disappointing that people in the DUP don't sit down and engage with the LGBTQ plus community. I really find that disappointing because... It'd be interesting to see what happens now. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens now because I think if they take a leaf from the Ulster Unionist book, um, they'll realise that, you know, they're on the right side of history here. Yeah, you know, we know, as we were saying earlier, if it's Poots that comes in, there's probably not, not a yeah, strong it's a, likelihood it's a move, of that. Yeah, it's a move to more hardline. Whereas more is much more likely to... Yeah, Donaldson may be much more likely to maybe conduct the debate respectfully when it comes around to the legislation um, because there's a long way to go. But yeah, if, listen. Although if, I have to say, I was surprised to hear earlier on on the radio actually that Poots, um, the the Irish language um, bill, yeah. he was in favour of. Yeah. That, uh, which, which surprised me. It surprised you because there's times where you can see that um, Edwin Poots is quite pragmatic at times, but then there's, you know, the. It's the sound bites and the and, and and on these sort of progressive issues that you come out and you you realise that he's you know got ancient views on these and yeah. that's you know and that this is definitely a shift to the right. This is a, a shift to the religious it side of unionism. Is. Yeah, I mean he's um, a... and that's destructive for other people. But and that's where where I was extremely disappointed in Arlene Foster. And I know a lot of people are sort of rewriting because you know they feel a wee bit sorry for Arlene the way she was pushed out at the end, but and that she was quite liberal and she would move it. She wasn't liberal. She wasn't liberal. She didn't do enough. You know, over after the marriage equality vote, and there was a number of meetings with uh, LGBTQ plus groups in Stormont, um, and she didn't do enough to speak up as first minister of, of this country for the people in that community. So, I, I think the DUP should learn from that. I, I think it's really, really disappointing that Arlene is pushed after you know even abstaining the vote. And I know I'm not naive enough to think that that's the issue that she's pushed on, but I'm also not naive enough to not to know that that's a part of why she was pushed. Yeah. You know, because yeah. five, those five people that abstain, abstain's not something to be proud of. I've, I always find abstentions difficult. I think I've only abstained once in council um, because you're given no opinion. Well, you're sitting on the fence. You're sitting on the fence. And you're elected to make decisions. And making no decision isn't good enough. You know, if you if either for or against and stand over your arguments. Um, so I just find that the DUP just, the, the, the issue was quite difficult for them. And they allowed vices like Jim Wells to take over. And that's why I tweeted out after the conversion therapy debate and I wanted to be measured in my words. And I listed all the politicians from the Alliance, SDLP, UUP and Sinn Féin uh, and Independence as well and the Green Party that spoke out positively. And I listed their names and I said, for those that are struggling and feel as if they're climbing a mountain, listen to the voices of Mark, Cara, Carol Lee Cullen, uh, Andrew Muir, all these people that spoke positively and listen that only their voices sink in. Yeah. Because it wasn't about having a go with Jim Wells and Jim Allister. They were going to get enough airtime on this. 
but the people that are struggling need to hear the positive words. So Twitter shouldn't have been full of what Jim Wells said. It should have been full of what Cara, Mark, Carol and Andrew said. Yeah. You know, and that was important because people don't realise when all this debate goes away and all the media days down about this debate and it's gone off Nolan, it's gone off the newspapers, the people in the LGBTQ plus community sit down and they, those lines, those negative lines that were thrown out through the media trigger certain things in them. Yeah. And then they have to sit and be patronised about mental health and how we're serious about mental health in this country. So I thought it was really, really um, important that those positive lines from the from people who are engaged in that debate right across the political spectrum, taking the politics out of it, were pushed front and centre. And I think that was largely done on social media. It was largely done by the media as well. But there's times where we get the sensationalist nonsense all yeah. the time because it gets a headline. And you'll switch on Stephen Nolan and you've got somebody coming on talking right-wing religious nonsense about a topic that they haven't even uh, had the decency to engage with the other side on. And they're talking at you. And that's why I keep saying, stop invalidating you know, a group of people. Stop humiliating this group of people because you're only doing more harm. And then when you come out and you talk about being serious about mental health, we don't believe you. So it's going to be, a, you know, we've two years left, no, we've a year left of this mandate. Um, the Communities Minister has to come back with legislation. And Marlene said before she left that um, if it doesn't have the right protections for churches in there, they won't support it. I really would ask anybody within the DUP to think long and hard over the next 12 months about the piece of legislation that's coming back. Make amendments that you want. Work cross-party with issues that you have, but don't block this. Yeah. Don't use the petition of concern. Don't block it. Final thing I will say on the DUP on this. I speak to DUP uh, councillors in my council. They are not as stubborn on this issue as people think. But the party message and the party whip and the party line, the is... party line must be followed. And, and that's got to break as well. They must be brave enough to break the mould and say this is not the feeling that, or the, the opinion that they have on these issues. That they would support a ban of conversion therapy um, and not simply just rolling behind the party line because I am sick and tired of people coming to me after the vote and saying, I fully support you, but I have to say this because the party position, but it's not my real position. Yeah. Be strong enough in political uh, role to say, stand over your own position. Have that debate within your party. You have 12 months to have that debate. But I really hope it's not blocked when it comes because it's going to do a lot more damage. Yeah. And what would you say to any young people out there now that are struggling um, with coming out? Um, what, what, what advice would you give them as somebody who did so when you were 24? Um, don't wait till you're 24. Yeah, don't wait. <laughs> tell you what. Don't wait till you're 24, the best years of your life are still gone. Although at 24, still, your 20s is still a good years of your life. Um, there was just a strap line. And I, you know, some people can, you know, fob off strap lines and say, you know, nonsense strap lines to try and get a headline. It gets better. It does get better. It is never as difficult as you think it will be. Now, when you're saying, and I, I hope we come to a time where there is no coming out, where you're just accepted um, for whatever um, route you go in life. But um, to any young person out there, you are going through the most extreme circumstance in your head that will happen when you come out and say you're gay, bi, trans, or whatever. You will never get that extreme um, circumstance playing out in reality. Because it's that always is, worse in your head. It's always worse in your head. That is everybody being disgusted and horrified and whatever. And it is the minority of people. Yeah. And if you listen to the debate, especially on conversion therapy, and you realise and you see the vote of 59 people that are there as legislators, and listen to the positive words that they have said, they are the majority. So yes, you will get some negative feedback from some people, but there is enough support and enough people around that actually uh, validate 
um, the decision that you take and the, and the life that you want to lead. Um, so don't focus on the negative, focus on the positive. Uh, and I, I wish I said that to myself yeah. when I was younger. But when I grew up in a, in a rural village, I was searching around for somebody to look up to, that somebody that was doing it to see, to measure how my life could be good. How are people reacting to that person? But unfortunately, anybody that came out and crossed me then left here. People moved, you know, people moved to London, people moved away yeah. and around their own life. And it sort of it's sent so out the message sad, to me. But, yeah. but yeah, it sent out the message to me that, yes, you can come out and you can be gay, but you can't live here. And you can, you can. I've, you know, proved yeah. that it's not an issue. It really isn't an issue with many people. So don't think to any young person out there, don't focus on the negative. It's very easy to focus on the words of the likes of Jim Wells. It's very easy to focus on some of the negativity that's coming out of the political spectrum. But they are the minority. It is not the majority. Yeah. And it does get better. And do not wait so long, you know, till you're 24 or even later to try and enjoy and build your own life. Because the longer that you wait and put off who you are, the longer you wear the mask. Yeah. And every day you wear a mask, you have, you're put another lick in your armor. You're creating more issues that you have to deal with. Now, I, if I think back at all the mental, I suppose, you know, the, the issues that I've dealt with in my head. I could sit down and maybe open up to somebody and realise that they're having an effect on my daily life the way I build a wall or I might yeah. snap at people or whatever and that's because I've sort of hid who I was for 10 years since I knew like yeah. so I'm asking people to be true to themselves straight away uh, you will you don't have to move away from here yeah. uh, you know there's enough people welcoming you and um, I think as you say uh, go to Pride uh, see, see when we get back up opened um, see the party and the celebration that it is it's and such a look at positive look at the, yeah but day. look at the people around you yeah you know the first pride I walked and I thought you know I was bloody terrified and I was thinking you know how people would react on the side and when you see 80 90 year old grandparents and then kids all waving yeah. it's, it's a festival of colour it just goes to show it's turned into a family event yeah and that's because and the more children that are brought to things yeah. like that I mean I definitely think there's a, a change in perception yeah, from is, younger yeah. people. I I, mean, I have a 13 year old in school and it is just yeah. absolutely blasé. Whatever anybody's sexuality is, it's just, it's just, yeah. it's just accepted. Yeah. Now, obviously, as you say, it's not going to be the case with everybody. With everybody. No, it's definitely the, the majority. majority. And that's the main message I can put out there. Focus on the words of the majority because they're supportive words and they will help with any feelings that you have for coming out. And don't focus on the negatives. We always focus on the negatives. We're always, you know, as people, glass half empty. What's you could go through sure social Irish. media, exactly. <laughs> but you could go through social media, and there could be so many comments, and you get offended by the one negative comment. You'll hone in on it. Forget it. Forget it. Yeah. Although, so do if you go on Twitter, it's probably all negative. But it just seems to be a negative. <laughs> Stay on times, but no. Say, so, uh, I think there's a lot more support out there than people realize. It's never as bad as it is in your head. Um, and reach out to people reach out to people in, in positions in your community there's plenty of good charities that's working out there I mean there's a lot of good charities working in your and LGBT plus issues um, that does outreach work and stuff like that there it, within your local youth clubs there's a lot of work going on with Cara Friend coming in and helping out and you know there's a lot of stuff going on through schools and programs um, but reach out send a message even to I, I've been inundated with messages over the last two weeks yeah. from people of all ages yeah. reach out because um, I wish I had you know that avenue when I was younger to reach out and, and talk to people and see because some of the things that you have in your head uh, I mean they're over the top in, yeah. in your head so um, stay positive glass half full and it does get better it really yeah. does get better and what about pa any parents out there who 
uh, maybe suspect that their child is is gay and they're afraid to come out what would you what would you say that maybe they should how should they approach it again um sp- speak to like-minded parents or parents that are in the same situation um i suppose even there's a great group uh, set up in Yuri that and it's parents that come together um of where they've got you know lgbt kids and they sit down discuss certain issues and educate themselves uh, and I know when it comes around the Pride, they host a, uh, that group hosts uh, wine and cheese night. It's the bloody best night right. of the of uh, of Pride. It's great crack. But they from opening up and having conversations, uh, they can educate themselves because some people. And I think it's really unfair that you know certain parents, wherever you're growing up and whatever community you're growing up, if it's a rural community, um, sort of get tired with the brush that they're maybe homophobic or that they won't uh, be as receptive as somebody else in an urban city or whatever. I mean, that's because they're not educated. They don't know about, you know, uh, the issues, LGBTQ plus issues. So I don't think you should hammer people. You should sit down and try and talk to them. Um, but I would ask parents to, you know, even reach out, even to people like me. If you have any questions, you know, ask ask me. Yeah. You know, ask people in, in, in the same position. Usually it's through fear of them saying or doing the wrong thing. You know, well, that's parents. what I was going to say. Yeah, a lot of times they'd be I, afraid of saying the wrong thing. But I say the wrong thing. Yeah. I say the wrong thing. I sat in... in and, and in that talk with, with Lear McKee in 2016 and I sort of got heckled a wee bit on something that he said about trans issues because I used the wrong terms I used the wrong words we will make mistakes I'll make mistakes I'll still use the wrong words in a bloody debate Yeah, it's not meant but I will try and educate when I realise that I've said the wrong words or I haven't come across wrong um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to the you know certain groups and I'll say well, what way could I have done that better you know educate me and I think there is a fear of um, afraid to say something because of saying the wrong thing or yeah. hurting something. so if you realise that it's not coming from a place of where you're trying to you know hurt somebody or trying to be disrespectful of somebody's sexuality or whatever when you realise and sit down and say listen I just don't know what the way to go about this yeah. I will make mistakes but I am generally not doing it out of any reason or disrespect and so uh, you know parents find it hard uh, siblings find it hard because but you're only you know Every, the topic conversation moves on very quickly in this place yeah. you know so somebody's uh, you know the next thing is, is is big news it really isn't that big a news but there's a lot of support out there yeah. reach out and ask ask for it we're very bad at asking for help uh, but it's better to ask for help than sit and torture yourself mentally yeah. for a number of years because that has an effect I'm proof that that has an effect because dealing with some of the, the mental trauma that I have um, over you know the life of growing up and trying to you know wear a mask for so long. I I stood up. Are you? How are you now? Uh, I I'm yeah I'm good. Um, I I keep myself busy. I talk. Uh, I talk a lot now. <laughs> well, I didn't in the past. Um, and I suppose I put an awful lot down to pressures that I put on myself. Um, but yeah, I still struggle. It. I still struggle at night. I mean, the last after the conversion therapy debate, um, was one of the nights that I woke up in a panic, screaming. Um. But that's, I suppose that's, that's awful, Pete. That's terrible. It is, but I'm trying to, you know, I do an, a, a number of things where I could just, you know, write out lists of what I want to get done that day or whatever. I'm trying to break and this down. Trevor. Yeah, and I have, and, I, I, and he's great. He's great. You know, at the, at the start, it was like he generally thought, yeah, you're going to die about to do something and ring an ambulance. But now it's like he knows, rub the top of your back, you go to sleep in a second, you know, and catch yourself on, you know. But uh, now he's quite supportive. Um, and it's probably difficult for him because this morning he woke up and he was exhausted you know because I woke up you know in the middle of the night and he was way to Dublin at half four in the morning so I felt guilty and I had that burden uh, on me but no listen I take it 
a day at a time, a week at a time, and try and do the best. I'm a, I'm a people person. I want to do good for people. So, um, you know, I always say, listen, if I have a few, you know, issues and, you know, poor mental health with certain things, having to speak out, well, then take it the bigger picture. You know, you're helping other people. So it might be uncomfortable. And a part of it is because I'm speaking out about something that yeah. I feel is private and I feel like I should keep behind closed doors. So that is an effect on me. Um, it makes, you know, you're sweating thinking about it. But um, the bigger picture is, um, you're helping people and you couldn't as a young uh, gay person sit looking for those voices and then refuse to be one of those voices for the next generation looking them yeah and this mantra of people saying sure it's easy to come out now it's never easy you know but it's different now it's accepted now it's you know society's moved on it's easy it's, it's the popular thing to do to come out it's not it's not you think about your parents you think about your granny you think about yeah. you know so I mean, well, we hopefully can. someday that will that yeah, will there will someday. be a day where yeah, we don't yeah, even yeah. need to have yep. you know any conversations like this that yeah. it will just be people can just be people and whatever hopefully whatever they want and that, and that day be. comes quicker if the people that are are running the country yeah. um, and it comes from the top usually movements like this grassroots come from the bottom but when you have people legislating on behalf uh, of every citizen in this country uh, they must be fair and it must be inclusive and it must be equal and as I said earlier, and I keep saying this, you must stop humiliating people, stop invalidating a group of people, stop criticizing them, uh, and then coming out afterwards and talking to mental health because it won't wash. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, Peter, it's been lovely talking to you. Thank and you. I hope you, things continue to get better for you. And um, thanks very much. Thanks very much for the chat. Yep, cheers. Anytime. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Pete there. And um, like me, that you wish himself and Trevor only good things and many years of happiness. For anybody out there uh, who's listened to this and needs um, to speak to somebody, as Pete says, there is plenty of help out there and there's always somebody ready to listen. Remember to keep getting all of your news from Arma Eye and I hope you join us next time for our podcast.